Hey, what is going on, you guys? It's the best video game podcast on the globe, the Sticky Buttons Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It's your host, Brandon. And this is Blake. And dude, I'm just so excited. It's been a little bit. It's been a minute for us. And gosh, we're the Sticky Buttons Podcast. We talk about the games we love. And dude, I'm just so excited to jump in. But I actually, really quick, before we jump in, I just want to kind of, I guess, I don't know, do some like housekeeping this episode's coming out a little bit later than normal. So we just wanted to say thank you for being patient with us and we really appreciate it. And this is the first time that we've had a, like a late episode and we've like kind of posted it on our Instagram. And I guess like going forward, if we're a little bit late, we'll continue to post on our Instagram. So I guess that's the new norm. I mean, we're going to try and, I mean, obviously like be on time, but stay tuned, stay tuned because mm-hmm. we're yeah, going to yeah. post notifications to let you guys know and yeah, I just want to say, take this opportunity to say thank you so much for tuning in and being patient yeah, with us. Yeah, definitely. Also, it's a great opportunity to follow us on Instagram if you haven't already. Yeah. We also, like Brandon and I, we've been streaming a lot and we haven't really been like posting those at all. We've kind of just been doing it, but maybe we'll post on our Instagram or like our Instagram story whenever we're going to go live. So, yeah. But yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Like we said, we're the Sticky Buns Podcast. We talk about the games we love. It's season three over here. And dude, we're going to talk about a 3DS game right off the bat, man. Let's get right to it. (laughs) It's funny, man, because this is actually, so I'm playing it on my 3DS. That's what I'm qualifying as these uh, season three 3DS games. This is actually a Game Boy Color game that came out in 1998 that you can play. They've actually, they made a Switch re-release where they like updated the graphics and haven't checked that one out. But they did that. They made an updated version, like a remake. And they've released it on the Game Boy, the Game Boy Color. It came out on that little Game & Watch that they released for the, I think it was the 30th anniversary of Zelda, or maybe it was 25th, that like Game & Watch. So basically, they've released this game a ton of times. And I would say this is probably the most re-released Zelda game out there. And I guess I just want to know, I just want to see if based on all that, you can guess which Zelda this is. I want to say Zelda Ocarina of Time. No, not quite. Not quite. Majora's that, Mask? No, no. Those came out later. Which one is it? I'll, I'll give you a hint. This was the third Zelda game. Zelda Link's Awakening? Is that the third game? I don't even know. Oh, it's not that one. I don't know. That, I'm not familiar with okay. the sequence. Yeah, I'm not either. Here, let's look that up, actually. This way, I'll be able to read out all of them, and I'll tell you which game I'm playing. I hope that at least somebody out there is able to guess which one this is. All right, so the original, The Legend of Zelda, was released in 1986. Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link, was released in 1987. And the game that <laughs> that I am playing is The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Oh, there we go. Which, okay, so this was originally released in 1991, and the version that I am playing is the 1998 Game Boy Color version, which was then re-released on the virtual console on the 3DS. So, yeah, man, do you have any thoughts on this, like, right off the bat? It sounds really interesting. I'm really curious to hear about this game from the early 90s. This is before our time. This is way before we were born. (laughs) But Brandon, let me tell you, there's a couple games that we've played that we've talked about on the show that we've really enjoyed and they've been inspired by this game, this game in particular. And I just thought it was time that I go back and like see the roots of all that. 
So some of the games that we've talked about on the show that have been that have quoted a link to the past as inspiration are Hyperlight Drifter, Minute, Eastward, and the game that I'm going to talk about later called Chicory. So man, it's just a really cool experience to like go back. It's kind of like truly like I'm going back in time and seeing like the roots of this, like, I don't even know if it's like a genre or a formula or like a gameplay design style, but it's really cool just to go back in time. And what it is, is it's in like an isometric view. You have, you see Link and you wake up on an island after being washed ashore and you find a sword. Actually, you talk to somebody and they give you a sword or actually, no, I think you have to go find the sword. I think they give you the shield. And you have to like go find the sword and then you have to truly like explore the area. And I'm going to be honest, man, I got frustrated at one point because I like it's an old game. Game design has really come a long way. And it's kind of one of those things where I guess, what do you think about this? Because this is how I kind of view it. I kind of view games to be like iterative, like throughout history, like a game will do something and then people will be like, oh my gosh, that was really good. That really worked. And then they'll like replicate it. Do you think that games kind of do that? I would say that games do that more than like other mediums, like books and movies. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially when you're trying to sell things, you want to give people, kind of meet their expectation, right? I mean, give them what they're used to, but maybe a little bit more. Well, because if you think about it, man, like the first person shooter, the first first person shooter, as I was like Doom or something, like later, like Call of Duty iterated on that. And then, you know, later that, I guess like spawned a whole genre of all different types of first person shooters, but they all kind of started. They all iterated on Doom, kind of took that foundation, just made their own little spin Mm -hmm. and and made it their own. Yeah. Or like they added different rules or they added like the reticles and like, you know what I mean? Like they added all these things. And I don't know, for me personally, having these games that I really loved, like Hyper Light Drifter and Minute and Eastward, and then just like coming back to this, it's like truly like I'm seeing kind of like the foundation yeah. of what those games were yeah kind of definitely the foundation for the industry right of you know kind of what laid the path for the games to come for the people who make these games you know this mm-hmm. obviously is a part of that path because i'm pretty sure if we were to do a survey of people who make video games i would say maybe seven out of ten of them probably played this game or have heard of it mm-hmm yeah, and it's really cool, and actually, it does some really cool things, and it's kind of crazy. I kind of expected to pick it up and play it for a little bit and then kind of put it down. Like I expected to pick it up just to see what it was about and see if I would like it, and truth be told, Brandon, I've like totally find myself getting lost in it, and I will say, though, I did get frustrated at one point, and I like pulled up my phone to like look up a guide like how am I going to do this like how am I going to progress like past this point and then I remembered that I actually had a prima strategy guide for this game which have you ever used one of those for a game I've used them for Pokemon like prior Mm -hmm. Pokemon releases sometimes GameStop would drop like a little guide and I remember using those 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 are really useful to get with the brand new Pokemon game especially as a kid you know just because you don't know you don't know and then you get to like see what everyone is you know, pushing you to do and you do just get that much better at the game, you know, it really, yeah, your, your progress exponentially. Yeah, totally. And it's funny because I like took that out and I like started reading it and I was just like, this just like having this strategy guide, 
like in me, like kind of reading it, flipping through it, seeing like things I had already seen and power-ups that I had gotten or like, oh, I need a certain power-up to like get through this. Like, oh, it's good to know. Like, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. Like, I can come back here. And, you know, obviously like this is constrained. The game is constrained, you know, to 1989 and the sprites and I guess the technical limitations of the time. But when you pull out this book, the strategy guide, they have some fantastical art of what is in the game. And I have never had this experience where having like the strategy guide open and like on my desk, like I had the strategy guide open on the desk and like I had the game in my hand, like on my 3DS. I was just playing it and like referencing the strategy guide. I've never had an experience like that. And it really like completely elevated the whole experience for me. That's amazing. It was really cool. It kind of felt like, a, you know, in this digital age that we live in, like having like physical media and stuff like it, especially like physical media and a handheld, like it just felt like so tactile and analog that it really felt like, I don't know, it felt like a gaming experience out of time, like out of touch, out of time. I see what you're saying. It's like very unique in a sense. Like there's really no yeah. gaming experience quite like that. You know, you were tapping in with the actual strategy guide and then you have this like super modern switch, but not to mention you're playing this like 1986 game on it. So it has like all these constraints. Yeah, It's it's really interesting. It's really cool. And here's the thing, man. Like, I think that you can find these strategy guides, like you can find PDFs of them online and it's very easy to, I mean, like truthfully, like if you have a modern computer, you could emulate this game and I mean, you could emulate it for free. I'm not going to recommend that to anyone. I mean, <clears throat> you could do it. <laughs> but I mean, you could find like a free PDF of the strategy guide and play this game for free today. And you can have that same experience. And the reason for that is because this game is bonkers. <laughs> like It's like, truthfully, I'm so lost as to like what to do. Like you need to reference the strategy guide. Right. <laughs> and I'll give you an example. I was lost in a forest, right? And... There was this, I walked up and there was this raccoon and he was like, oh, I'm going to put you in a time loop because you can't give me whatever it was. Like he was just like antagonizing me and like, I'm going to put you in a time loop or I'm going to put you in a loop. And every time I'd walk a certain way in that area, like it just put me back right to where I was. And I had like explored this whole area and I like found this mushroom and I was like, what the hell is this mushroom? And then I found this witch's layer and i was like oh i bet i need to give her the mushroom and i went up and i talked to her and like nothing happened i was like oh that really would have made sense if i like gave this witch the mushroom but i was like whatever like i guess i'll just keep on going because nothing happened but here's the thing because it's an older game you have to go into your menu select the mushroom tie that mushroom to a button like because it's either a or b so like i had at the time i only had my shield and a sword So my shield was tied to the B button and my sword was tied to the A button. And I had to go there, tie it to a button and then hit that button. Then she would like make you magic potion. Wow. And then you have to take the magic potion from your inventory and tie that to a button and then go back and talk to the gopher or raccoon. And then that kind of like breaks the spell and they turn into a person and they're like, Oh, I don't know. Like that was weird. I had a weird afternoon. Like I ate a mushroom and, I don't know. I guess I should go back home or whatever. (laughs) And I was just like, what? Like, what's going on here? 
And like, I had no idea that I would have had to do that. And like, without yeah. the strategy guide, I don't know if I ever would have figured that out. And it's kind of like one of those things where it's like old games, like they have a certain quirk and a charm to them. And I guess another example of this, I walked into a dungeon and it like kind of locked me in. There were like four doors and there's a door I came in and all three of the doors locked. And there was these like empty, I guess like places where like a fire would be. And I was like, okay, well I have to like get a torch and then I'll be able to light these fires. And once I light the fires, like the doors will open. That's what I thought. And I went back out the door. I came like I looked everywhere for a torch and then I was like, man, like there's no torch. I guess I'll just like look in the strategy guide to see if I can find where the torch is. And I like looked through the strategy guide and they're like, oh, you just have to sprinkle magic powder in those cauldrons. And that's how the fire starts. And I was wow. like, I never would have done that in a million years because I thought it was a yeah. one-off thing to give to the gopher. So it definitely has a certain like quirk and charm to it. So I don't know. It's very interesting. <laughs> you to the past. Yeah. You know, funny enough, just as the title suggests, it really is like a link to <laughs> our gaming past. And yeah, it's really awesome, man. It, the Game Boy Color version that I'm playing, it has this, I mean, the Game Boy Color had a very limited palette. And for whatever reason, I think that it just translates in today to having a very autumnal feel. Mm. And the color palette just feels very autumn. And... It's like the end of summer right now. We're transitioning into fall and just like getting lost in this like magical world, you know, that has this like autumnal color palette. It's just, it really feels like it fits, fits in time in the, I don't know, whatever my gaming habits are today. Like it feels like it just kind of fits right now. You're playing Zelda in the perfect season. I know, man. I really am. So I'm really enjoying it. And I guess I'll have to let you know how it progresses a little bit further but yeah that's the 3ds game i would love to hear more about zelda link to the past i'm really glad we started doing this 3ds section in season three yeah maybe you'll have to dig yours out man yeah i mean i have my 3ds i've been playing heart gold and soul silver i mean just heart gold that's pretty much it i've been playing on there i love i've been playing a ton of heart gold as well man i don't know how you feel about that i also feel like that game is very autumnal as well very, very lots of leaves falling, lots mm-hmm. of autumn color schemes. You know, just a lot of the towns kind of have like yeah. coffee shops and like they have like little torches that like they're yeah. like I don't know lanterns and they've kind of got a flicker to them. Yeah, that really just kind of feels like I guess like autumn and like how you know like the pumpkins and there's all like the flickering lights. And... Yeah. Oh man, we're on the same wavelength, man. Like playing that in the fall, like. It's a great way to experience Pokemon right now, for sure. And I guess just to get everyone a peek behind the curtain, Brandon and I, before we started recording, we were talking about Pokemon. And we were like, man, like we can't bring up Pokemon this week. Every time like we talk about Pokemon, it's like... Our way there. <laughs> we're like two steps away from becoming a fully Pokemon podcast. Like... <laughs> <laughs> really, man. It, it really it's not wrong. <laughs> feels like that's like our vice, man. Like our, our kryptonite. It's like we just yeah, start, it really is. talk about Pokemon. <laughs> we need to touch that topic with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> Hey, man, we love what we love, man. I could talk about it all day. That's true. <laughs> all right. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll hear a game from you, Brandon. Cool. All right. 
talk to you soon. And we are back. And, dude, I'm just so excited to hear about this next game. I know you've been playing a ton of it. I know you've been streaming some. But, dude, tell us what game. This is like the headliner, I guess. Not that we have those, but like the headliner of today's <laughs> the episode. The main event, if you will. Yeah, for real. For real. <laughs> the main attraction. Yeah. And definitely leading up to this episode, you know, I've been talking to you just how excited I am to talk about this game. You know, I cover it every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been doing this podcast. Last year, I did talk about... This is the third one you've done, right? I believe so. This is the official basketball game for the NBA, NBA 2K, NBA 2K23 to be specific. This is mm-hmm. the, I want to say the 23rd iteration of the game, but I don't know when they actually started making 2Ks. Isn't it tied to the year? It could be, but I don't want to make that assumption. I always thought it was like tied to the 2023 season because isn't the playoffs like in, aren't the playoffs or NBA in February? No, it's definitely tied to the season, but I don't know when 2K started making these. Okay, let's see. They could have started in 2K7 or something like that. There's something that was really cool about this release this year because they don't typically do this. 2K doesn't make three different versions. Like covers? Of of versions of the covers, versions mm-hmm. of the game. They normally do two, don't they? They normally do two. And it's like the standard edition and the deluxe edition? Right. So what happened this year was 2K had been getting a lot of complaints from the WNBA community that they weren't as supportive to WNBA and you know, I didn't show the same amount of love and respect that they did to the 2K, to the NBA community. So what ended up happening was they took that feedback and they created a WNBA 2K23. Okay. Which is really cool. You can buy that version if you want to. Is it like a different game where you they only have like WNBA or is it like the same game, but it's just like the cover is WNBA? I'm fairly certain it's going to be the same game. So you're going to get 2K23, mm-hmm. you know, that everyone else has, but you're also going to have the WNBA dynamic impact it into it so yeah i think you could even make a wnba my career player and you know just run that aspect you can have a woman nba team which is a mode i love to play my team i'm gonna talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. and yeah so the, the wnba version first time they ever did that i thought it was really really cool and yeah i'm excited to see where that goes you know just supporting you know the wnba i'm excited to see equity in this field of athletics. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's awesome that they're doing it. And, you know, honestly, like if you watch the girls play, like it's awesome. Like it's a totally different game than like the guys. Oh yeah. It's a totally different dynamic. Like I always say that too, just in general sports, just a different kind of energy, different frequency. I know, especially mixed martial arts, when there are those straw weight fights, like they're just so fast paced and man, some of these women are just so aggressive and like, it's really entertaining. Yeah, I think it's awesome, like, how aggressive, like, the WNBA is. Like, in the NBA, like, people, they flop. Like, they get so pissy. Like, if they get touched, man, in WNBA, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they started throwing hands. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised either, honestly. But that's a conversation for a different day. But, yeah. So, what's the third cover? The other two covers. There's the original standard edition which is you know like the 69.99 version if you were to buy the game mm-hmm. and it has devin booker on the cover he's a two guard on the sun he's pretty good he's like he's a rookie like two seasons ago 
He's doing well. He's doing. He, he's having a good career. He's having a good start in his career. So he definitely earned his place as a cover athlete. And then, you know, this is a legendary year too, which mm-hmm. is why I really, really wanted to cover this game. And that's the last cover. That's the Michael Jordan edition. Which 23? Is, yeah, this is a one-of-one title, specifically the Michael Jordan edition, which is why I wanted to purchase a physical. And did you get copy. the physical with Michael Jordan on it? I didn't because I was just feeding to just play the game. You still can, I, man. You can still get it. I still can totally get it. You should pick it up. But yeah, man. The Michael Jordan edition. It was 150 bucks. Oh shoot, jeez. It really did hurt my pockets. That's but nuts. I think it was worth it, bro. I really do. I'm having so much fun with it. There was this game mode that I was totally not anticipating. I think it's called Championship Mode, where basically you get to relive all of the exciting moments in Michael Jordan's career. Oh, that's awesome. You get to play them. Is that only on the $150 edition version? Yeah, that's correct. Wow, and that's cool a, that they have like, I mean, it's not cool, but I mean, like, it's cool they have like, they made it separate game modes, you know, like to celebrate him and his career. Yeah, man. And it's an homage to like earlier 2K games too. Like they really did pay their respect to earlier 2K games and the features that people really loved. And this was one of them, you know, this was mm-hmm. something that you could do. I think it was 2K14, I want to say you could relive the moments of an NBA player's career, which is really cool. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Also, just like, I guess to go back to the history of it, the first NBA 2K game was released in November of 1999 for the Dreamcast. And Allen Iverson was the cover athlete. That's actually really, really cool. So this is like a part of history. It's It's a part of history. Yeah. It's insane to see that we're like still doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess that if, I mean, it's 2022, if, it was released in 1999. That would have been one. So I guess it is the 23rd version. and uh, 23rd iteration, if you will, of 2K. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, shouts out to them for making it as a business in this economy. That's a big deal, man. And 2K gets a lot of hate. They really do. And I was expecting them to get a lot more hate this year. I mean, dude, you coughed up $150 for a game, man. Have you ever spent that much on a game before? I've never spent that much on a game before. And I didn't even blink twice when I thought about buying this version because you're hooked, man. You're I just, you know, <laughs> I've played every other version of 2K, you know, for all the way back. Maybe 2K12 was my first one. Mm-hmm. So I really I have a great time with the simulation game. I know what I'm getting. For me, it was worth the money. I play yeah, it a lot. Man. And it came with just so many cool things, like the digital bonus content. I got 100,000 extra added currency on my team. I got you know 10,000 my team points just off rip. I got 10 my team tokens, which are really, really useful. I got 23 free promo packs, which are like really, really- Is that a good thing? Yeah, 20, like the way my team works is you mm-hmm. get, you assemble a team by getting these cards, which are players. And mm-hmm. like a pack gives you like a draw on the, like, of like eight cards, eight random cards. You can get really like eight. eight random players pretty much. Yeah. Or you like an item or a coach, stuff like that. And so I had 23 of those. I still haven't even touched the, my team stuff, Blake, cause I've just been playing so much of the, my career and so much of the championship mode, reliving those moments in Michael Jordan's career. And he was really a goat, man. The flu game was insane. He really played a game. While he had the flu and he clutched it, 
that man was something else. Yeah, but, I mean, he's one of the, one of the greats, man. Like across all sports, you know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah he gets that respect from all, you know, many athletes. But just continuing like my career, some of the things that I got from my career, I got a bunch of boosts for my skill boosts type. I got double XP coins, a bunch of like added free clothes, merch. And I got a really cool car, even like a car to drive around because there's a city. Mm-hmm. There's a city in the game now. So you can you like drive around the city in your car? Yeah, so you can just drive around the city in my like championship edition car. It's really, really cool. Damn. Just driving around. Man, I've been playing so much, dude. I'm like, so there's a season kind of like Fortnite and mm-hmm. there's level 40 as a cap. I'm already like level almost 30, which is. Oh, damn. That's how that's much I've been playing, dude. I've just been going crazy on my career online. That's mainly what I've been playing on this 2K because the last year, that's what I was really hooked on on 2K22 mm-hmm. was just, you know, getting online, playing games online with random people seeing if I could manage to get the win. Mm-hmm. And it's just really fun. It's really smooth. You know, oftentimes, something I really wanted to embellish on was the point that 2K gets so much hate. It seems like people are constantly looking for holes in this game because we spend so much money on this game. Mm-hmm. You know, it costs about $50 to get your, your newly created my player to a 90 overall. That's on top of buying the game. Right. And man, it's one of those things where it's like, that's the only game, man. That's the only NBA game. And I also wanted to say, you know, this year, I think I want to get NBA 2K Live 23. Mm-hmm. Contrast it to 2K23, because I feel like this would be a fair contrast, because 2K23 is a prime 2K. They have the shooting correct. They have all the mechanics correct. There's no cheesing this this year. You know, last year, there was a lot of cheesing. When I say cheesing... For those of you that are not familiar with my lingo, that just means like someone who can go online and have pretty much succeed doing the most like simple things, the most annoying, repetitive things just to get the win. And that's something that happens a lot. People find these holes in the game. They find these holes and like ways that could like make it easier for them to hit a three over and over. Or like they find like a post hook shot that never misses. They just find like a thing that literally they will never miss. Or they'll find like right now, something that's been really prevalent on uh, 2K23 is uh, six, nine point guards. Huge point guards are typically six foot three. Mm -hmm. They're small or fast. They run the floor. But the six, nine point guard is really popular right now because when you play a 3v3, when you have a point guard that's six foot nine, you can pretty much do everything and bully the other short point guard. And Gotcha. And that's kind of what's been popular right now, but 2K's done a really good job of patching it. And I want to, you know, give them their props for being able to, one, identify the problem and to address it as quickly as they have been. There have been so many updates. The updates have been really smooth, too. I've never been, like, disturbed from my gameplay personally by an update. So they've been doing a really good job of supporting the game, listening to people, paying attention to the community. And, you know, it speaks to what they did this year, 2K23. You know, a lot of people agree this is the best 2K. I was going to ask, man, you've been giving it a lot of praise. Do you think this is the best 2K? Yeah, a lot of people agree, hands down, it's the best 2K that's ever been made. Damn. Is this the time to jump in? Even amongst my friends, we're all saying it. I think this might be the time to jump in, Blake. It really is, because it's not going to get any better than this. I feel like it's kind of like a peak, and then from here it's going to go down a little bit, and then it'll probably peak again. 
Well, do you think that just because 2020 or 2K23, I mean, this is the first time they've done three titles. They've got, you know, they're featuring the WNBA more. They're featuring Michael Jordan. Do you think they might take a year off and really give this game the time to shine? No, they never do that. They never take a year off. That's against their business model. They have to drop a game every single year. But I feel like this one was just a love letter. Like you can tell it's smooth around the corners, if that makes any sense. Like mm-hmm. they really took the time to pay attention to detail on the small things, on like the quality of life things. And it just makes the game that much more playable, that much more entertaining. And it makes me excited for 2K24. You know, if they iterate on this, they keep this and iterate on it, that would be great. But, you know, I've seen this time and time again, like 2K18 was a great 2K. And then 2K19 was, they just, they dropped <laughs> the bag. They really did. 2K20, they were really struggling there for a bit. I think they lost a lot of money that year. 2K19, they were struggling. 2K20 and 21 were kind of ass, I'm not gonna lie. And then 22, they bounced back. And then 23, they're really they're doing their thing, and they had to. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a great year for basketball. Man, yeah, you know, honestly, I've kind of been into basketball more this year than I ever have been. You know, just coincidentally, like I picked up a ball on Amazon and. I've been going out to my neighborhood. I have like a work from home hybrid now. And I like going to the office a couple of days a week. And then when I'm home, like I've got like 10 basketball hoops in my neighborhood that are in with like a 10 minute walk from me. And it's like, if I like go down there, I can just like pretty much get like an open hoop. I go there before work. And then like after work, like people are always playing. So I feel like I'm more into basketball like right now than ever before. So I don't know, man, maybe this is the time that I get a 2K game. I think I think this might be the time, dude. I was just going to say, too. Because, I mean, I guess not to cut you off, but there's a lot of game modes that I would be able to do. I feel like I wouldn't be able to. I mean, you never know. Never say never. But I feel like I don't know if I'd be able to compete competitively on, like, the multiplayer online. But it seems like there's a couple of different things. Like, there's the My Career and there's the Michael Jordan. What's that called that you were telling me about? His, like, career? I think it's called championship mode. Yeah, championship mode. Those are like two really cool things that I think that I My I'd team is, you would also have a really good time there. It's assembling. That's like where you play the season. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to play against other people. You don't have to pay your team against other people. No, no, right. That's what I'm saying. Like you just kind of like play your own season against like the computer. Yeah, there's tons of challenges. Like they support that because they understand not everyone is competitive. Not everyone's going to want to play a multiplayer game. And yeah, it can be very off-putting or discouraging playing a multiplayer game as a new 2K player mm-hmm. because there are people like me who have been playing it for so long and just have great, you know, just understanding of the user skills and, and navigating that it'll make you feel like, you know, this is not the game for you. Like, you're, you're obviously not moving like that person's moving. But I don't know. I feel like you got to jump in at some point because it's like one of those things where you just keep playing, you get better and better. Yeah. It's like basketball. You know, you just keep playing. You get better and better. Yeah, definitely. You get a better IQ. And that reminds me of something else. That's what I wanted to say. With the championship edition, a huge, huge incentive for me to buy it was on top of all those great things, you also get NBA League Pass. You get a full year membership to NBA League Pass. So, so now, what is that? You mentioned that previously. What now I can watch every single NBA game on the 2023 season. I can stream any game. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's a really good deal. And you get that with the game? Only with the championship edition. Wow. That's actually, that's a really good value. I think that was a great value because... It really crosses over too, you know what I mean? That's $110 a year. 
right there to just have that NBA league pass for a year. It's 110 bucks. So I got that and the game. So it's like, I got $250, maybe $300 worth of something for $150. And you're wow. Really about it. That's really impressive, man. That's really awesome that they were able to bundle that. Yeah. That's good business. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's, they understand that people are going to complain and people still are complaining. I don't know. I'd really feel like they did kind of give and take yeah. this year. So yeah, I'm grateful awesome, to man. 2K. I'm grateful to all the great developers out there that are making this happen. The team at 2K, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I appreciate everyone who plays 2K, anyone who's a fan, anyone who's a supporter. You know, it's us that keeps us going. You know, there are competitors like NBA Live who are really giving 2K a run for its money because they really try to fill the holes that 2K is, is not. If you want to see what I mean, just go watch an NBA Live stream. Okay. And you'll see how different it is from a 2K stream. 2K feels a lot more arcadey, and NBA Live feels a lot more like simulation. Is that a different game, NBA Live? It is. NBA Live is a different developer who wants to make NBA games too. NBA like licenses it out to them? No, NBA only licenses it out to 2K, but I think they just can't stop them from making it. Making NBA? Yeah, I don't know what's going on mm. there, but yeah, there's something there. I know 2K is the official game for the NBA. Okay. But yeah, it's interesting. Wow. I got to do my research on that, what's going on there. But that's something that my friends and I have been talking about is like checking out live this year and just seeing how they plan to compete because they're always competing yeah. 2K. And more often than not, they actually do a little better as far as like the simulation aspect and okay. like the gameplay goes. So yeah. Wow. Looking forward to doing that for you guys talking about that on the podcast definitely streaming a lot of 2k coming soon i haven't even been playing call of duty then you call of duty because i've just been so like in the 2k mindset oh that's awesome man yeah so i guess man i feel like i haven't really heard you speak so passionately about a game in a while man like that's awesome to hear you also kind of mentioned like the community like around it, do you feel like you're in that that's like your community on the internet and outside of the internet like that's like your community is like like nba 2k i wouldn't say that i would definitely say i resonate a lot with the nba 2k community just because i've always tapped into it mm -hmm. you know as a gamer someone who's been gaming since i was like 10 like religiously and will watch people game too and go on youtube and i remember one of the earliest 2k content creators i've ever seen was this guy called Chris Smoove on YouTube. And I really liked his content because every time he made a three, he would have this like computer uh, voice go splat. Like it was really cool. <laughs> and I love his videos and it was cool content. Like throughout the years as I would play 2K, you know, I might watch a video or two, see like what someone's saying about a build, maybe watch a stream or two. This year, I've been watching other streamers stream 2K, which has been really fun, just seeing how other streamers are putting out content and how they play compared mm -hmm. to me. It's cool. So yeah, I wouldn't say that's like my niche, but it's like I tap into it when I want to. And yeah. I like it that way. I think it's that for a lot of people. I, you know, there are definitely people who are like 2K heads mm -hmm. all the way, but I would say the majority is like... You people just like come in and they just kind of engage with it yeah. when they want to. Exactly. Yeah, that's an awesome way to to engage with like a game and like the content around it on the internet, you know. So, hey man, you're a part of that now. So you're a part of it. Yeah, <laughs> I totally am, man. Thanks for letting me pour my heart out about that one. Oh, dude, I'm so excited, man. I'm so excited to hear about this. I'm excited to hear about how your career 
kind of evolves throughout the upcoming weeks and months. And yeah, I'd love to hear more about the championship mode as well. Like that sounds really cool. And hey, who knows? This might be the one that that I get into. I'm going to do a little bit of research because especially like, I don't know, man, like never playing a 2K game. Like it kind of seems like dropping 150, you know, might be a lot, but I don't know. I feel like I'd really want that championship mode if I was going to check it out. So I feel like that's yeah, a way to that championship mode is really. Do you play as Michael Jordan then? Yeah, that's who you're playing. That's awesome. Like, you're reliving all of his moments, all of his great moments from a rookie. Man, that'd be really cool, especially as like somebody that like we weren't really alive at the time. You know what I mean? Like we all we've seen is like replays and like re- that's what I'm saying, because it's like that's an argument people have all the time like especially athletes are like yeah we hear like this guy is great but none of we didn't really see him play we didn't go to the court and see him with their own eyes and like actually follow his stats but when you play it from this perspective when you simulate his career as him you're kind of just understanding everything that went into kind of his story Mm -hmm. you know why he was so great you know like what the odds that were stacked against him his rivals even go as far as like including some of those like scenes where you know you go up and you talk to another player and you do your little trash talk because it's known that like michael jordan and this player didn't really like each other on the court okay it's really cool the attention to detail is nice on the championship mode wow that's awesome man they did their thing there i'm curious to see if michael jordan played it or experienced it oh yeah yeah that'd be cool like i wonder what kind of input he had on that man yeah oh man that'd be really cool dude you know what you should do that's just like i don't know for whatever reason that kind of just like triggered something in my brain and i want to like shout something out on netflix they have this show called abstract art of design it's called abstract art of design and they have this one episode and it's tinker hatfield is the guy and he designed shoes and he designed like the original like michael jordan's and there's like a little bit of history there on that, but there's also him talking about shoes and like sneaker heads and him designing some of the world most sought after sneakers. And I don't know, that just seems like it would just fit really well in like this, just like in the like the basketball vibe that we've got going on right now. So you should definitely check that out. I got to watch that now because that's really cool because he's a pioneer, that, that designer. Mm-hmm. You know, when you really think about it, he brought something from his head into the physical realm and it turned into something as valuable as like a gold something that's like really tangible but probably even more valuable right because of like you know just capitalism and branding yeah but it's actually it's really cool because oh man you should really watch it because they kind of talk about how like they go from how they started like the first one and then like how the relationship that michael jordan and tinker hatfield had and Tinker Hatfield, he used to do like track and like track at Oregon State. And his coach would like make him shoes. And the coach that like made him shoes was one of the original founders of Nike. And it was like built on performance. So they talk about how they were able to like develop a shoe that like fit his play style better. Like him, like how he like slides mm-hmm. kind of like back and forth. And they basically yeah. developed a shoe that like it didn't just go from the sides of the shoe to the sole. There was like a wrap and it allowed him to have better grip and i guess like stability in the shoe when he was just kind of like moving around on the court right so it was also like a design as you were kind of saying but it's also like the technology of the shoe and how it fit the athlete that it was made right. for. it was very custom to the athlete and mm-hmm. functional in a sense and yeah you know michael jordan definitely got the use out of those i mean he was jumping from the free throw <laughs> to dunk it so probably needed those kicks yeah definitely so you should check that out 
But yeah, man, that's, that's really, awesome. I really would love to play that just to like see that aspect of it. Do you know, I know that there's like a lot of people and like, you know, his career was so long ago that people have really, you know, done a lot of analysis and speculation on, you know, his career at the time. I think a lot of people say that his teammates were also great. Like it wasn't just him, but it was also his teammates that were around him that elevated him because of how good they were. And do you think like, I guess, is that showcased at all in this game mode? I think it definitely is. You know, you definitely get to see some of the other stars. You you get to see Steve Kerr. You get to see Rodman. You get to see these players, right? You're, You're passing them the ball. They're passing it back to you. They're there in these moments with you. And they give you like a bit of the story to like the huddle on the side. And, mm-hmm. you know, Kerr will tell you like, okay, I'm going to need you to get open on this play. And, you know, you'll just go out there and do it. And, you know, it's obviously like scripted, but it's still very like cool that they included those characters because you're right. It's basketball at the end of the day is, is a team sport, you know, and Michael Jordan, while he was a demon on the court, he still needed to pass it from time to time and he needed someone to pass it to him and he needed someone to spread the floor. He was very important. He needed those threats, you know, because if not, they could just double team him the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be interesting to see how that played out and like what kind of dynamics that are, they have there. I think I'd be really interested in seeing that, you know, especially somebody that like, like I said, like wasn't there at the time. I'd love to see, it kind of just feels like it's like really preserving his history and his legacy. And that's something that's really cool. That, like, I don't know. I feel like historically, you know, I mean, it seems like 2K hasn't really been as unfocused on, you know, preserving the legacy of the game. And it's been more about like cash grabs and microtransactions. And- yeah, definitely. This one feels kind of like a game that they planned on having people revisit. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they know people are going to be revisiting this game in the future. So they had to make it memorable. So that people would want to revisit it. And I think they did do that for sure. I see myself playing this game two years from now, just because even if there's a new 2K, just to tap into that championship mode yeah, and just see what's up there. Maybe check up on my, my careers or my team. So have you finished the championship mode then? I've not. Okay. How long have you been playing that as opposed to other modes? Maybe about like 10 hours now. Oh, shoot, really? So it's, it's like a full campaign then, kind of. Yeah, it's his career. Wow. Just like you would play your career. Mm-hmm. That's how it is. It's like you're playing Jordan's career. Wow, so there's truly like a lot that you need to cover. Yeah, they put a lot into it. Oh, wow. Did they go into like him like retiring and come back at all? Or like when he comes back? I haven't gotten that far. Have you seen like any spoilers on that? Or I haven't. I didn't want to spoil it for myself. Okay. But I'm more than certain they're going to. It's part of his story. You know, 2K, they also make those golf games. They do. I would. Oh, man. How awesome would that be if you had got to like play a couple <laughs> rounds of golf as Jordan? And he's like, <laughs> Dude, that'd be sick. When he like retires and then he comes back. That'd be sick. I have no idea if they're going to do that. That would be cool, though. They put a Jordan character in a golf game. They definitely do already. They probably do. Have you ever played the PGA game? You know, I haven't, but I got it on like PlayStation Plus. I really want to check it out. Let me know if they have a Michael Jordan character. Yeah, I'll let you know, man. I actually got to play some golf this past weekend. It was really nice. Hitting the links. That's awesome. It's good, man. I made a couple pars. Taking it back to your old ways. Yeah. I had a couple of birdie putts. Missed those birdie putts. That happens sometimes, man. Missed the birdie yeah. putts. 
I don't really play that much anymore, you know. Just like it being in New York, you don't really get the I don't really have access to green. The green yeah, the greens, the greens and the links. You know? Yeah, I'm hoping I can get out at least one more time this year. Hopefully. All right. Well, man, let's take another break. Thanks so much for talking about 2K, man. Like really glad that you're able to, you know, to bring this to the table. And like I said, man, I seem super passionate about this game. So I just can't wait to hear more about it as you get to experience more of it. Yeah, man. Thanks for letting me talk about it. I'm excited to move on and talk about the next game. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, hey, this is the Sticky Buns podcast and we love celebrating games that we love. So I'm glad that we got to do that. All right. Well, let's take a, take a quick break and we'll talk about one more game before we end it up. We'll be right back. All right. We're back and we're going to talk about one more game. And that game is Chicory. Have you heard of this game, Brandon? Is this Chicory, A Colorful Tale? Yeah, Chicory, A Colorful Tale. Have you heard of this one? I actually have. I think I've seen it around the PS5 store. Yeah, yeah. So it's out on a couple different things. It's, I guess, really quick about the game. It's actually an indie game that came out this year or maybe last year. So it looks like this game came out in like the summer of 2021 and it didn't come to Switch until December of 2021. So almost like six months later, it came to Switch and that's where I'm playing it. I'm playing it on Switch and it's a really cool, unique game. And it's like, truthfully, it's one of those indie darlings. It's one of those indie games that I'm just, I don't know, I've heard about it and I was just so excited to jump into it. And the music was actually, we've talked about the artist that did the music on this before lana rain when we talked about her on oh gosh what was that called that the platformer that she had done or that she had done the music for do you remember which one that was oh my god it's called celeste that's what it is (laughs) yeah yeah celeste so yeah she did the music on that and i think that's one of the things that really made that game pop is the, the music and sound design just like elegantly fit the the gameplay and this is no exception you know it really fits the vibe of this this game and this game is really cool and i there's a couple elements of it that really make it unique that i want to highlight so first off i just want to start off i mean i kind of said earlier in the episode it was inspired by the isometric zelda games like a links to the past and you kind of you're exploring this world it's an isometric view and it's very cute and there's a person there called the wielder and they have this paintbrush and basically the wielder like paints the world. And every time the paintbrush changes hands, the artist gives the world a fresh new flair. And there's all these people and I guess everybody's like an animal. And I think Chicory is a bunny and she's the present wielder. And I think the wielder before her is an antelope. And I think that as, you know, the paintbrush is passed from person to person, like each person or each wielder gives their own flair to the world. And everybody, like, they almost kind of worship this wielder because like quite literally they bring color to their world. And I see. it's really interesting. And basically you play as the janitor, you play as the janitor for the wielder and you like clean up their paintbrushes, you clean up their paint and the beginning of the game prompts you what your favorite food is. And I chose dumpling and that becomes the name of your character. So I love dumplings. So I'm playing as dumpling, the cute dog janitor for chicory. And what ends up happening is there's, there's this great calamity and you don't really know what happens. You just hear crashes and then suddenly 
all the color is out, like left the world and it becomes black and white. I see. And you go and you try to talk to Chicory and she doesn't want anything to do with it. She's locked herself in her bedroom and she's left her paintbrush outside mm-hmm. and you don't really know what to do. So you just pick up the paintbrush and you start painting and you start coloring back in the world. And that's kind of, you know, where the game starts. And one of the reasons I decided to pick this game up on Switch is because of the coloring. The Switch has a touchscreen when you play it in handheld, you know, you have the touchscreen and you can play with your finger. But so much of this game is drawing and coloring in different areas. And like, I just felt like it would be wrong to play it on like PlayStation or Xbox. I feel like it just wouldn't fit because you're coloring in. And with the Switch, like I've actually never talked about this, but I have a stylist for my Switch. I actually, it's an off-brand, like an Amazon Basics stylus, and I use it for my DSs and my Switch, you know, and my phone. And I would actually, I'd recommend it to anybody. You know I mean? It's like the size of a pen and it's like a stylus that works on anything from your phone. I've used it on an iPad before. And I think it's kind of like an off-brand, like one of those like Apple stylists. And I would recommend it to anyone. I like truthfully, I paid like 15 bucks for it. And I think like, I'm that's how I use it for all like my 2DS games, my 3DS games, like and my Switch and my phone as well. And I've been using it on the Switch, and that's kind of I, I'm playing the Switch with the controls like in handheld. And anytime I have to color, I just do the stylist. So it's also kind of nostalgic because you're going from like the Switch, but then you have your stylist and you're kind of playing on it, so to speak just like you would like a 2DS game. Yeah. But it's also like, it's really cool because you have the ability to to like kind of color in the world. And, you know, even like as it is like at that, if the game was just that, (laughs) the game would be amazing. But man, I'm so glad that I picked this up because I think it really takes it to the next level. And so like basically the coloring is the main gameplay mechanic, which is why... If you have the ability to do it on Switch with a stylus, I would do that over playing it with like a mouse and keyboard or on a control, like a PlayStation controller. Like I would definitely do it on handheld and Switch. I think that's the way to do it. Or I guess you could do it on Steam Deck as well in the same in kind of way. But man, it's just like, it's just so fun because there's also like puzzles, like there's crazy puzzles that you can do. And it's kind of, there's also like a crazy like Zelda-esque boss fight that I had to do. And it's all kind of confusing because I'm kind of just still at the early stages of like what this great calamity is. And then I had to like fight this like dark monster kind of thing. And all I had was the paintbrush. And I guess what it really is, is you have to find creative ways to use this paintbrush in order to like solve puzzles. Like you have to figure out ways to like color in the boss in this boss fight. And it was really it was kind of challenging, but it was really rewarding. And there's also, I guess there's like kind of like, not like necessarily platforming puzzles, but there's different levels to the world. And like one thing that you can do is you can like color in, I guess, like plants and they'll like raise up and then you can then be at a different level, if that makes sense. So you can like basically move up in the world by coloring in the ground under you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's like also things like if you're on one of the platforms and you color it in, 
I guess like if you color in like a mushroom, the mushrooms are at the same level. Like they can like launch you across gaps. That's really cool. So you're interacting. That's what you mean when you say this game is mainly like the gameplay, the coloring is the main gameplay of the game. Mm -hmm. You're just navigating the world by changing the environment as to how you see fit. Yeah, you put it perfectly, man. You change the environment by coloring in the world. And I guess another example of this that just makes it really fun. I just thought it was so clever. When I experienced this, I thought it was so clever. I thought this was such a cool way to manipulate the environment. And just, oh, it was just so much fun is I've walked into a cave and it's very dark and you can change, you know, to a lighter color and color in the cave. And when you color in the cave, it lights it up because you're bringing color and light into the world. And, you know, it's one of those things where like, you don't really think about it, but like color can't exist without light. You know what I mean? It's very true. Like our eyes can perceive what a color is without, without light, without light being there to reflect it into our eyes. Right. Is that how it works? Yeah, no. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's a reflection and it's a reflection of light. That's what color is. And I just thought it was so clever that like you go into a place that there is no light and you add color to it and there's light because there has to be light for there to be color. Yeah, and I, I can see why you might be revered as like a higher creature in this world. Yeah, yeah, if you can, you know, manipulate the world like that. And it's also like, I think that also, I guess, like to add some context to it, like you can't really get super detailed with your coloring. Like if there's a tree, you kind of, you can color it in, but it's, you can't really like, you can't do two different colors in the same area like you can really like there's big areas that you can color in so like for example if you were going to color in a fence you could not like every spoke of the fence couldn't be a different color like if you color in the fence like the fence is that color or like the tree is that color and then the leaves they're a color or like the flower is a color like the grass is a color like a wall is a color so you can't get like super detailed like you couldn't add colored a a wall and then add like polka dots and another color you can't at least not yet i can't do any of that i don't know if you ever will so it's kind of like you really i mean it's also like it's very peaceful coloring in this world but it's not really like the coloring like you couldn't necessarily make like beautiful works of art i mean i'm sure that people have like really gone into it and colored like amazingly i'm sure that people have colored in the world very very amazingly and talentedly but I'm kind of just walking through, throwing splashes of color on things. I really like to add, like if there's a couple of trees, I'll add like a green tree and a blue tree or have like the flowers be like blue, yellow, blue, yellow, like things like that. And you kind of walk around and you find different, like you find like hats or aprons or like shirts and you can put those on your character and like change the color of those. And it's a really peaceful game and the music fits really well with it. And it's, it's a really very relaxing game. And it definitely can, seems like it. Like if you're interacting with the environment that way, I can see how it could be very peaceful. It kind of reminds me of like another player versus environment game that we talk a lot about on the <laughs> podcast. I'm sure you know which one I'm insinuating on. Um, but it's, it's couldn't it be Minecraft, like, could it? It definitely <laughs> is Minecraft. I think it's really cool that the protagonist's name is like your favorite food. So it's technically, I could be pizza with like. I played the game. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I'm glad that I heard about this game and I picked it up on sale. And when I had heard about it, 
somebody had said that their favorite, they put cookies as their favorite food. And they're like, everybody's calling me cookies, cookie. Like it's cookies. And it's like, they're like, if you do it, they're like, make sure you add like the singular. Cause like your favorite food is going to become your name. Oh, so I shouldn't put my favorite food at our, is pizzas. Yeah. Singular it should just be pizza. Yeah. yeah. But so I guess that's a tip for anyone that's, that's going to pick this up, but I'm still kind of early on, but I mean, like, I'm really enjoying it. I would say this game, like truthfully, is very mellow and it really is like a relaxing experience, which is not something that I don't necessarily think a lot of games can do well. I agree. A lot of games try and a lot of games fail. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of times there's just so many, like if especially like if you're trying to do like a chill farming, you know, sim farming game, or even sometimes like Minecraft, like there's just so many things, like so many ways that you can interact with it that are really it's not simple at a certain point. It's very complex. And this game, like it's very simple. The concept is simple. And I just think it's done really elegantly. And when I mentioned it earlier, we were talking about how it drew inspiration from the older Zeldas. And you can really see that. There's also, I've been playing a lot of like Hyper Light Drifter, for example, like now playing this old Zelda game, like I have a sword and a bow and it feels very similar to Hyper Light Drifter with the sword and the gun. You know what I mean? Yeah. And whereas this game, it takes that inspiration, like the top down, it's like the top down isometric view and like puzzle mechanics, but it turns them into like a unique way. Like it puts its own unique creative twist on it. And I just really love that. I love it when games take like, inspiration for something and then they add their own twist to it and capture, you know, the spirit and essence of it instead of, you know, just trying to emulate it which, I mean, I think that's like why people like Hyper Light Drifters. It really, it emulates that original or that feel of the original Zeldas. And it's, and it does it in a really cool art style. And in some ways it does it better than Zelda. And in this one, it really just feels like it's its own unique thing. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying it. And that's what we love about video games, right? Like mm-hmm. unique experience that every time you get on this game, you know that it's this different thing that you've never played before and you're going to get on and probably experience something new right you're mm-hmm. going to find something new about this game you're already intrigued by this game and so that's something i love about video games and it seems like this game definitely has is riddled with that and i really like how you mentioned that they didn't really mess with or tamper with the layout of the game if you will like it's kind of simple all the way through oh yeah 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 like you can't like go overly complicated on like what right. you can color Right, which I think kind of speaks to a good game when things aren't like overly complex. It's just like, mm-hmm. this is what it is. And you can either vibe with it or you don't. You know? It yeah. seems like obviously it struck a chord of you and it seems like a lot of other people because it's on all the major platforms, even on the ones you can't touch screen on. So there's got to be something there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really awesome that you can engage this with this game in different ways. And I just can't help but feel that if you like pick this game up on PlayStation, you would have a totally different experience, mm-hmm. like coloring things in with your sticks. And that's what I would imagine. And I think that even still, like it strikes well with people. And I think that really and, speaks to the yeah. simplicity of the design. But not that it would be any like less fun than, you know, tactically coloring in with your finger on the switch. Probably yeah. just be a different experience than yeah. The switch experience or ps4 experience or i think it's on pc too yeah and i think like doing that with the mouse and keyboard would be interesting i actually i think 
so one of the ways that you switch colors, like you switch colors is like hitting the bumper on the switch. And I imagine it's the same on PlayStation. Yeah. I guess I was, when I was doing research, if you play it on PC, I think it's the wheel on your mouse, like the scrolling up and down that switches your colors. And in some ways, I think that almost seems like that would be a cool way to do that. And I think that that's really interesting, you know, that there's just so many form factors and like different ways to play this. And I think that that's really interesting. Do you think that's something that developers were going for per se when they were just putting these games out on the different platforms? I don't know. Just kind of just putting these, you know, trying to make the game accessible to everyone. I think that they, it did come out on PC first. And I think now that I'm playing it or I'm playing it on Switch, I think that they probably originally designed it for like the PC. I think like the mouse switching your, because I guess if you think about it in one hand, if you have the mouse, you can switch the color and then color in the thing. And if you're going to like, there's some parts where you have to like, like you do actually get to like draw a design. And like, I got to design a t-shirt for a shop. And this was like one of like the side missions that I got to do as the, I'm not the wielder, but I'm filling in for the wielder. Like I have the brush and they're like, I just made, I just had Chicory make these new promo shirts for my cafe. Like now they're all gone. Like I have an event today. Like, can you like make me some new t-shirts? And I was able to, with the stylist, I like drew like a Game Boy <laughs> on the t-shirt and I actually got to keep that t-shirt. So right now my character Dumpling has like a Game Boy on her t-shirt. And I just think that that's awesome. That's awesome. That's so you, Blake. Yeah. You don't really have a Game Boy <laughs> on your shirt in a game like this. But I think that if I had like done that on like a mouse and keyboard, I think I would have been able to do something a little bit more like, because like essentially a Game Boy is just like a cube, you know, but... I think that it probably was done with the PC in mind. I think that you would have a little bit more control over how to color, I guess. But I guess that kind of just like brings me back. Like, it's just so peaceful to do it. It's very like cathartic and just coloring. Like you don't have to color the world and you can leave it black and white. And I guess that's kind of like up to you. Yeah. I think that that's really interesting. It's also like color outside the lines per se. You can. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so I guess the way that that works is like, let's say if there was like a tree, there's two parts of the tree that you can color. You can color the trunk and you can color like the leaves or the flowers and you can tap it. And if you tap it, it fills it in or you can like actually color it in. And if you color it in, like you go outside the lines. So there are some areas where I'll come back to and I'll see that I was coloring in like the base of a tree, like the trunk of a tree. And I like went outside the lines and it like, it just kind of like spilled out over yeah. into, into the next thing. And, and, you know, that's kind of like a funny enough, like that's part of the story. And like, you get to meet Chicory's mentor and they're kind of saying like, you shouldn't be holding the brush. Like this is Chicory's, like she's the wielder. Like, did she give this to you? Like you were not worthy of, you know, wielding this brush. And you're kind of like, I just took it because she wasn't doing it like yeah like our world was black and white like i need to i need a color somebody needs to do something right and you know i think that it also has like some there's some kind of heavy themes like if nobody's doing anything in your world and you have the power to step up Mm -hmm. i think most of us would say that you should so right and you kind of go into as the story progresses i mean i'm not very far into it but you get to talk to chicory and it kind of seems that she's not in a good space. Like it seems like she's, you know, maybe depressed or maybe the pressure got to her and 
she like won't leave her room and her room's like a mess and you like start to color in her room for her and she's like stop that like, i don't want my room to have any color in it like stop filling it in wow. and i continued to fill it in she's like stop that like i don't want you to fill in my room like leave it blank and i did it again and she like screams at you wow it's like don't fill it in and then she kicked me out of the room so, but like, I didn't have to do that. Like I could have left, but I. Nisa Jibana, please. Yeah. Now that, you know, I'm getting a little further into it and kind of connecting with the characters, I want to know what happened to Chicory and what happened to this, like, what is this calamity and why yeah. is the Chicory's mentor like so upset that I'm coloring in the world? Yeah. So, and I guess it's also like, it's kind of interesting. Like, what keeps it fresh is when you go into different areas it gives you different colors. So like, you're not going to have the same, you know, four colors, same six colors the whole time. Like, I think you get four at a time and I think it makes you, you switch them up when you, or it automatically switches them up. As oh, you. It's always some fresh feel. Yeah. So yeah, that's chicory. I would definitely recommend checking that out if you can, you know, it's an indie game, so it's not super expensive, but you know, they're, they're really doing something, you know, unique here and I'd love to see where this goes once I get a little further into it, but I just thought I'd Chicory. share a little bit about that. So yeah, that's trickery. Thanks for talking about that coloring game, man. I don't think we really ever talk about coloring games on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever played one. I don't think I ever have either, but if coloring, when I think about it, coloring was one of like the most cathartic and peaceful things that I used to do since like a kid, you know? Yeah. I feel like a lot of people just colored as children and, and hey, there's nothing stopping you from doing it now. You know what I mean? Very true. And I think that that's kind of like part of it, you know? I mean, you know, actually funny enough, man, after like, it's funny that you say that because after having this like experience with this game, I did pick up like a coloring book, like an adult coloring book from a bookstore. Like I happened to be passing through and I was like, damn, like I'm really enjoying chicory. Like, let me get this. I haven't colored in it at all yet, but. You know, I think that's that, awesome. Bro. I'm glad you caught some inspiration. I think that's what art is, right? That's what these yeah. mediums should do is just, like inspire us to create and to do. Yeah, definitely. I guess my job is a little bit more demanding than my other job. So like finding things now that are like cathartic and like can relax me as opposed to like, you know, like a first person shooter or something like something like that is more important to me now than when we, you know, had started this podcast. So. I totally get that. You know, it just makes sense why revisiting all these titles, these Pokemon titles that you know, you yeah, know, really, yeah, really hit home. Just a, absolutely an escape, if you will, a vacation. Yeah, definitely, and just like revisiting something that's like chill and and relax you is. I know very well what Pokemon can do that. It sounds like Chicory could do that too. So yeah. thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess that kind of wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I guess I just want to say a special shout out to our patrons. Yeah. So thank you to all the patrons. Shout out to y'all. Thank you so much for supporting us. We really, really appreciate it. We got something special coming your way yeah. too. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Keep your eyes on the horizon there. And uh, yeah, you follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, follow us on, I guess, I don't know if I said, follow us on YouTube. We've been posting some streams and those streams, we've been adding them to YouTube. So check us out. Check those out. You know, following us on YouTube really helps us out. Let us know what you like. And if you'd like us to stream your favorite games or one of the games that we've talked about before, like, just let us know. Like, we're always looking for inspiration and things we can do there. 
I personally, I stream some Jedi Fallen Order, which is, you know, one of my favorite, actually my favorite game of all time. And we've never really talked about it on the pod. We haven't really talked about it at all more than in passing. So, yeah, we haven't really like had a sit down episode on Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. But hey, I talk all about it in a stream and I earn a couple streams and I kind of like show off the gameplay and what I think makes it special. So if you're interested in something like that, like tune in, we have those. Um, do you want to shout out anything, Brandon? Yeah. Tune in on Twitch. I'm going to be on Twitch a lot. Streaming 2K, Sticky Munchkin. So you guys can find me on there. Yeah. Definitely catch me playing some 2K. Going to be posting some of those streams on YouTube for you guys too. So stay tuned. Definitely support us on Instagram. Share with a friend. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the best way to help us grow is to share with a friend. To share with somebody you think might like the games that we've talked about. So, well, I guess that's it from us. Thank you again to everyone for for tuning in. And I guess that's that. Peace (laughs) in the streets. Bye.